How does or how should cost play into the evaluation of surgical outcomes? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Donald Fry, Executive Vice President of Clinical Outcomes Management at Michael Pine and Associates, a healthcare think tank. Prior to joining Michael Pine and Associates, Dr. Fry had a 30-year distinguished career as Professor of Surgery, Chairman, and Chief of Surgery and Director of Trauma at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. Welcome, Dr. Fry. Thank you, Dr. Hill. Today we are discussing using cost to measure surgical outcomes. Dr. Fry, if we were to look at surgical outcomes on the basis of cost alone, what could you tell us about our health care system? Well, I think if, if cost is being used as our outcome parameter, I think we would have to say that we have tremendous variability in how expenditures are used in the delivery of the same or similar care across different institutions and across different practitioners in the country. Could you expand upon that, please? We will see in studies that we have done of operations like total joint replacement that there will be a two and a half fold difference in the cost seen for the same quality outcome, but in different hospitals. How do you explain that? There are tremendous differences in practices. There are very different employment practices. There are different uses of different drugs by different clinicians in the management of patients. There turns out to be an enormous variability in how long patients are kept in the hospital after procedures, and it comes down to the fact that for the same quality outcome, we see a staggering difference in the cost profile, which we think is simply the ingrained standards and methods that specific institutions and specific clinicians use. So is that bad? I think that we would have to say that it is bad in the sense that if spending twice as much money results in the same outcome, then I would say we have been wasteful of health care resources. And given that we are now at 16% of our gross domestic product in the United States that's being spent for health care, wouldn't it be nice for everyone if we could deliver the same quality at a lesser price? And the reality is, is that the increased expenditures in many of our facilities means that the cost of care for all of us is incrementally greater. Where do you think in our healthcare system is the greatest cost? Well, I actually think that the greatest cost comes from complications in care. The complications in care result in patients having 
very, very protracted hospitalizations, having reoperations, having very lengthy recovery periods, even in the post-discharge period. And when one looks at a large population of patients for any one specific operation, it is always interesting to see how a very small percentage, that is the complication cohort, ends up consuming a very large percentage of the aggregate cost. So it means that quality care and the cost of care are really very tightly linked together. And with good quality outcomes, one can potentially reduce cost. And with quality outcomes that pay attention to expenditures that do not measurably improve results, we can yet make additional efficiency changes that would further reduce the expenditures that we are currently realizing for medical and surgical care. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Donald Fry, executive vice president of clinical outcomes management at Michael Pine & Associates, a healthcare think tank. We are discussing cost as a measure of surgical quality. Dr. Fry, we spoke about complications as being a great cost. Does this include accepted complications? It includes accepted complications. It includes complications that we know that can and do occur. But when one looks at accepted complications, such as surgical site infection, for example, one finds that as many as 50 or 60 percent of the patients did not receive all of the approved elements of prevention, and thus we must conclude that some of the accepted complications in surgery are, in fact, avoidable complications. The point being that, yes, there are events that all of us know that do occur and at the present time may actually be outside of what we can, in fact, prevent, but there are a large number that can be prevented. And my point is, is that the prevention of complications could, in fact, be an enormous cost savings for the health system at large. Is this some sort of standardization that can be used for hospital patients? I think that standardization of many practices in the hospital environment can be implemented to the patient's benefit and without violating the physician's flexibility in providing the individual care that patients need. The physicians are they receptive to being told in a regimented fashion how to handle their patients? No, I think that physicians are an independent group, and they don't take kindly to institutional or governmental mandates about doing 
specific practices or using specific methods in the care of patients. On the other hand, I would say there are specific practices like the use of preventive antibiotics in surgery where the evidence is overwhelmingly clear as to how that practice should be conducted, and yet we find clinicians that choose to not follow those accepted and documented practices. And so I do think there are specific kinds of preventions and treatment strategies that really could benefit our patients if they were put into a standardized protocol. Now, I know that during my training and surgical career, I've heard you lecture many, many times as a world leader in surgical infectious disease, giving us guidelines on how to deal with prevention, prophylaxis, and treatment of surgical site infections. Why do you think that there is still so much variability in treatment? It's always been a problem for me to fully understand why clinicians would practice at variance with the accepted information. But one of the areas that I believe one can begin to understand why that happens is in the area of preventive antibiotic use. We know that antibiotics kill bacteria and that bacteria cause surgical site infections. And so it's been very painful to get clinicians to stop antibiotics in the post-operative period even though the evidence shows that continuing the drugs makes no difference in outcome and is even injurious to patients. So one of the reasons why practice will be at variance from the evidence is that the clinician may in fact not believe the evidence and that they choose to do what they believe is best. I want to thank Dr. Donald Fry, who has been our guest. We have been discussing cost as a measure of surgical quality. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.